everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello everybody, welcome in. It is the Friday edition of the drive a breezy gusty friday but not not the severe weather we've had strong winds but uh none of the you know heavy rain or you know possible hail or anything like that so it looks like everything for this evening should be played boy the wind's going to be a factor though in some sporting events Tonight, we'll talk about that as we continue, but we're just underway here on the Friday Drive. Bill, Dan, and Drew, the regular crew, here in the WOW Business Studio. That's right. You can get the speed you need. Super fast business internet when you switch to WOW. Visit wowforbusiness.com. Hour number one of the drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and kiaofauburn.com. Kia of Auburn where you're always number one, and also the sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome guests when they can't be with us in the studio. Stay tuned. We've got some info on that, a special guest joining us. Uh, But your calls are welcome throughout, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, an Alabama-based firm now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. As always, shout-out to Derek and everybody at Southeastern Industrial Absolutely. Contractors. Uh, and uh, with that, we will uh, we'll get underway. Um, let me uh, say, first of all, we were talking about events coming up today. A couple of big baseball, actually three on tap, big baseball games here locally is Auburn High. Uh, hosting Alma Bryant in a doubleheader starting at five over on W Lee. I know we love baseball, Bill. That's not the news today on this show. We got a, We got a big. We got no, a big no, no. Coming. I know, but I, 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 I don't want to reveal it. It's yours. No, it's I your mean, get, well, but. I mean, here, here's the thing. I, 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 I mentioned weather could be a factor, shouldn't be a factor in the game. So I wanted to mention those games. Auburn Alma Bryant five o'clock on uh, on W Lee, and then seven o'clock tonight. And it should be a uh, interesting to to see it where the ball goes, which way the wind is blowing. As Auburn hosts the number three Arkansas Razorbacks, um, so looking forward to that. Going to head over to the ballpark following the show and and uh, catch some of that action. And we will have a special guest, though we mentioned a special guest coming up, and that is a place. Plainsman Park is a place. Where when it was when it was baseball season, you would see our four thirty guest a lot. You'd see him in his Hawaiian shirt walking around the concourse. Generally, I mean, uh, a, a very very popular 
person when, when he was here at Auburn, and that is Al Borges. Gorgeous Borges going to be joining us at uh, 4.30 this afternoon. I told you yesterday, this is crazy. I told Dan yesterday, I said, sometime this week, I had some notification that I had a message from Al Borges. And I, I didn't, I looked back at my phone. I couldn't figure what it was. I looked through my missed calls and my messages. I didn't see it. And then yesterday I saw posted on a message board that Al Borges has a new book. Uh, I was going to let you. I was going to. Oh, let you, you, okay. I was. I, I mean, I could go ahead. But well, I he's, yeah, he's, let, got, he's got. A, he's got a book coming out later this summer about the two thousand four. August. Okay, about the two thousand four Auburn Tigers, his first year uh, coaching with the uh, with the team, a very memorable season for those who remember uh, the uh, the two thousand four uh, Auburn football team, and and he's got a book called Deny of the Tiger. Uh, is it Deny of the Tiger or the Tigers? I think it's Deny I of think the, the Tiger. Okay, so Deny, Deny of the Tiger. Little. Uh, Little, little reference there. Play on, little, yes. little reference to Survivor and uh-huh. the uh, and, and and the great uh, Rocky uh, theme song. But uh, yeah, so he's uh, he's written about his experience in 2004. I know he's made some headlines in media appearances this week, uh, discussing uh, you know his his belief that the 2004 team uh, has a uh, has a legitimate claim uh, for for the national championship. We'll tell him about his book. We'll we'll talk about uh, you know everything he's been up to. Maybe even uh, ask about. The current state of Auburn football, and get Al Borges' perspective on that. Look, looking, uh, looking forward to talking to somebody that we've uh, we've talked to a bunch of times, and he's uh, he's one of the best. Uh, really, uh, really yeah, excited I mean, to talk to him. Back in the day, uh, Dan and I would would uh, you know occasionally be uh, you know graced by the presence sure. of Al Borges on our show. So uh, so it's great great to have him uh, having rejoining this, us. This is how I mean things have changed somewhat that there was a show where we we sat at a restaurant booth oh, and yes. and uh, maybe maybe uh, you know had had a snack or even a I mean, I, I think some, someone at the table may have had a beer. I don't, I don't remember off offhand, but uh, uh, yeah, and, and talk with talk with Al Borges and took calls for like ninety minutes. It was mm-hmm. great stuff, and and he was, uh, I mean, no, he was he was so accessible and so smart, and uh, I, I think he's a really important figure in Auburn history, right? Because of the because of the two thousand four team and and what uh, what what it meant to the program after well, after two thousand three, and, and what that team may have meant. To college football now, the the, the playoffs were not in effect back then, and and Auburn was that first team that um, that that the nation you know looked at and went, yeah, maybe they should have been, you know, they were undefeated too because we'd heard, oh, it'll never happen, there'll never be three unbeaten teams, and there were in two thousand four. Sure, it was well, and some Auburn folks, was the odd some team fo- out. Some folks said it'll never happen, and some folks said wait until it happens, right? And, and, and wait until you know you see folks running for cover <laughs> after you know someone gets left out of a championship game in that scenario. Uh, no, it's uh, if you remember the end of the two thousand three season, really the beginning of the two. I mean, if you remember two thousand, because it's tough to tell the story of the two thousand four season without providing the context of the two thousand three season. Right, and you think about the expectations going in to the 2003 season, the way that season did not go according to plan, the way Tommy Tuberville almost lost his job at the end of the 2003 season. Mm-hmm. I think all of those things are important, and and that that's that's what Al Borges was stepping into with the pressure of if this thing doesn't if this thing doesn't turn around, if if this team underachieves in 2004, hard, hard to imagine 
you know, hard to imagine everyone keeping their job and, and everything staying the course into 2005. I mean, there, there was pressure on, on that team to, uh, uh, to, to, to figure out, especially. And I think also there was pressure because people knew how good some of those offensive players were. Jason Campbell, right. Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown. I mean, these were, these were players from NFL receivers, uh, that, you know, some guys that would go on to play, you know, in the NFL at, at wide receiver. That's, I mean, it was, there, there were expectations that maybe the right guy could, uh, uh, could, could step in and drastically improve things. And Al Borges was that guy. And, uh, and, and what you got was one of the best Auburn teams ever, uh, one of the only undefeated SEC champions. Of of the last twenty years, and uh, and and a, and a season that folks who were around in in two thousand four will will never forget. Yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. If you if you uh, have anything that you would like us to ask or pass along to uh, to Al, uh, just let us know. Give us a call here early on. We will have him on following our bottom of the hour break. So uh, so yes, that's our fun news of the day. Um, great. Great to have that. He called me a little while ago and said, uh, "Just wanted to double check, make sure we're on." So, yeah, re- really looking forward to uh, to talking with Al. And, and as you were saying, it's also a huge baseball day uh, here, yes. here in the area with uh, with the uh, uh, the game tonight. Weather permitting, uh, you know, it seems like we'll be able to get some baseball in in the area. And um, I mean, it's a it's a big series tonight at Plainsman Park, right, Bill? No question. Getting about started. It. I mean, getting started tonight. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas has the second best record in the conference, leading the Western Division, fourteen and seven. Auburn is two games back. A sweep would put Auburn in first. Now, it's not not likely you're going to sweep a team like Arkansas, but uh, you 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 definitely feel like Auburn has an opportunity to win the series. And the key to winning the series or or having a chance to really have a super special weekend is to get a win tonight. Mason Barnett gets the start for the Tigers tonight. Probably won't have the services of Blake Burkhalter either. One of the things that Butch Thompson was saying uh, when he was talking about his pitching injuries with Hayden Mullins out for a few weeks, that Blake Burkhalter uh, could possibly pitch once this weekend. We will see. Uh, I wouldn't imagine they'd want to you know, uh, have him try to stretch out too much. But I don't even know if, if we will uh, if we'll be seeing him. But, you know, the Auburn Bats need to get it going tonight as the Tigers host the Razorbacks. So we can talk about that. Anything on your mind sports-wise? What else? Uh, what else comes to your mind? Well, you got. I mean, it's a big weekend in Major League Baseball. I think you got some. I mean, the season continuing and and the uh, you know the 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 season getting into uh, it's it's what in, into into month number two. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, entering uh, month two, some teams trying to figure things out. I've got some some matchups I've got circled in the uh, you know on the counter. The NBA playoffs are resuming tonight after a uh, after a day off. Uh, you know, that, that's sort of the you know, nationally uh, what you could be looking at more locally. Um, I, I think there's still a lot of intrigue in, uh, in, in basketball recruiting, both Joni Broom and the possibility of Julian Phillips right. in the next week. And, uh, weren't we just talking about a receiver, uh, you know, in the, in the last, uh, I mean, it's amazing how Wednesday we, we were talking with Jason about this young man, uh, Daz, uh, right. Worsham. Daz Worsham, the Miami receiver, uh, who had entered the portal at that point. Shortly after the show on Wednesday, uh, he commits. Right. And, uh, almost, I mean, like, Right at six o'clock. Not saying we had anything yeah. to do with it, but no. he, uh, uh, he, you know, he was he was he wasn't waiting until our show got done and Jason was available or something. I don't I don't maybe, uh, but he uh, D- yeah, Daz uh, d- commits to Auburn uh, Wednesday night, and uh, and I think folks on on Thursday and through 
part of the day today if they weren't familiar uh, with, uh, with with his work or didn't remember him as a high school player at, at Hewitt Trustville. Uh, they've been trying to, uh, to to figure out more about about this young man. You remember him as a high school player, right, Bill? Oh, absolutely. I, well, first thing was was his name was so cool. Uh, at the time, and and he may be pronouncing it differently now than than what uh, what was popular back in high school because I know it was Dazzlin uh, because I thought that was so cool, but it may be Dazzlin now. But Daz, he still goes by that. Jason um, still knows the young man very well, but but yeah, he was uh, he was a uh, an Under Armour All American, uh, put up great numbers with that wide open offense that Hewitt Trustful had. Of course, Javarius Johnson was another guy. Teammate of his, and they they both put up ridiculous numbers, and uh, I I think he could be a very nice addition. Uh, I don't think that's the last addition Auburn would would like to have at wide receiver. I think one of the really reassuring things about the last couple of weeks um, is seeing how many players. Have Auburn as mm-hmm. a finalist, right. you know, transfer portal. Yeah, to transfer- the oh Auburn's not working yeah. or anything like that. They they appear to be just about everywhere. Anytime a player pops up, it's like yeah, Auburn's Auburn at least is contacted. Right. I mean, just in the last week, we've talked about two Arizona State players, a Nebraska defensive lineman, a UCLA, a UCLA, a UCLA defensive end, and now a a, a, a Miami receiver as players that that maybe uh, or, or were at least considering Auburn uh, after entering the transfer portal and that that tells me uh yeah Auburn's Auburn's uh uh you know lo- looking at a lot of different places for a lot of different uh possible uh ways to to help this roster and uh yeah I'm with you I wouldn't I would expect Daz uh, isn't the only transfer that Auburn lands between uh, the end of spring practice and the mm-hmm. beginning of of fall practice. I could see Auburn going in a, in a couple of different spots, and uh, and and I mean even even places where you think of Auburn, you know, having a a position of strength right now. I think if Auburn took, I mean, if, the, if there was a if there was a Marcus Harris situation, right? If there was a defensive, if there was a player they liked who had just finished their first year somewhere else and had gone into the portal, even if it wasn't necessarily at a position of urgent need, if that guy has a couple years of eligibility left. I, I wonder if Auburn would even look at that on top of the the positions where you know we've talked all off season about Auburn needing uh, some some uh, some help here or there. Yeah, and uh, you know those those kinds of players. You wonder. I mean, Auburn has has both years. Now you've seen them find players, a lot of players who are originally from close to home that went off somewhere. I mean, with you mentioned Marcus Harris, and then. Obviously, we saw the three in-state players from Oregon who, who, who signed with Oregon and have returned. Robbie Ashford, uh, DJ James, and Jason Jones, and now Daz Worsham. Uh, who Zach Calzada is closer to home. I mean, oh, he's yeah, a, Georgia, right. a Georgia, he's Georgia guy. I mean, so, right. so even he came a little bit closer to home in transferring from from A and M. So no, you're right. You're seeing. Uh, uh, you're, you're also. I mean, you're also seeing Auburn in pursuit of players who aren't regional. No, that's products. true. Uh, you, you mentioned Arizona State, and there've been there've been uh, a lot of players from the Phoenix area. But as you pointed out a couple of days ago, that's an area that Brian Harson and some members of the staff here at Auburn who were on the Boise State staff. Recruited heavily, and some of these position coaches have been everywhere too. I mean, you think about the possibility that one of these position coaches encountered someone in in, in their travels. The Nebraska defensive lineman, I think, was originally from Syracuse, New York. So, I mean, there's no telling, you know, how how he popped up on the uh, on, on the radar uh, before, you know, deciding. I'm trying to remember all of the places Rock's been. 
Yeah, either either Rock or Brumbaugh. Right. right. You think about one of those two maybe encountered yeah. him at some point in their uh, you know in in, uh, in their travels. But uh, that's uh, uh, no, I, I think that's a that's a positive sign. And like we said yesterday, not to not to overstate NIL's importance in luring players. Uh, you know, at, at at the moment, but it's also a positive sign. I think even if you're not hearing about Auburn making splashy offers to players that are in the transfer portal right now, or you're not hearing about, uh, you know, you're not hearing about players that you're, you're not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not making a lot of waves, but I think it's important to remember you're not seeing Auburn players leave either. Right. You're not seeing Auburn's that, you know, the, the biggest names on the Auburn roster after the, uh, after, you know, that, that, that entered spring practice or entered the spring semester still on the team. They're all still here. And they, and they all, I mean, there, there's any number of players right on, on this team, who could have dipped their toe into the NIL, you know, dipped their toe into the transfer portal and hired an NIL agent and found out, you know, who, who's who's given them the who would have given them the best offer, and they decided none of none of to our knowledge, none of them decided to do that. No, all of them decided no, to mean, stay in Auburn and, and buy in if, for another year. If if they decide to do it now, they're either going to have to go down a level or sit out. Of and here. some folks might be rolling their eyes. Well, you know, six and six team. You know, how many? Like Derek, Derek Hall. Look around. Like, look around. How many teams didn't have players? Leave at uh, after spring. Well, and and I mean, remember there there are between Derek Hall and Colby Wooden and Eculiota and Tank Bigsby. I mean, there are some players oh, that would, definitely are that that would move the needle. You know, had they decided to mm-hmm. go test the market, and they would have had uh, teams that are maybe ranked ahead of Auburn in a lot of the preseason uh, publications uh, would would have been at them. And the fact that they're staying at Auburn, I think, is a good sign both for Brian Harson. And for whatever is going on behind the scenes, uh, to, uh, to, to keep Auburn players, uh, happy and engaged. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon again. Uh, looking forward to after the 4.30 break, we'll talk with, uh, former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges. But until then, the phone lines are wide open. Come on in and join us on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390 here on the Friday Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 21 minutes after 4 o'clock here on this Friday afternoon. What has turned out to be a nice-looking but uh, gusty Friday afternoon. Um, so, I mean, it should be fine for baseball. Fields should be in great shape. Man, the ball is going to fly in the direction of the wind. I mean, there has been stuff just blowing like crazy today. Uh, so, so, yes, Probably going to be some tricky plays on pop-ups. Oh, the wind could absolutely play oh, a factor, right? Man. You think it could be a situation? It's, it's going to be like candlestick or you, something you, you today. Th- you think there could be? Uh, you think there could be some some routine fly balls that become uh, homers? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not. Don't, don't. They're not routine fly balls anymore. I mean, right now the wind appears to be blowing um, from the from the west, which would be blowing straight out at uh, Plainsman Park. I mean, it's going to be blowing out to left field, out to the monster. Man, Sonny might hit one to the moon. Just get, just get the ball in the air a little bit, and it, it could, it could just fly yeah. and fly. Sonny, what, what direction, what direction are you hitting it? If you hit from from home, from home plate 
towards center field? What what direction is Home that ball Home to center travel? is uh, um, east southeast, right? Okay. Yeah, because well, no, west southwest. Because you know, home home plate, uh, the the third baseline is west is is like due west of home plate. So where's he? he like toward, so it's southwest. You're talking Gulf of Mexico, like that that's that southwest, or no, or not quite south- like maybe maybe into Texas, sort of that that sort of deal. Like what, what, how, no, how, what kind of degree are we talking? No, that, that's east of here. No, that's west. No. That's west. You're right. No, so it's southeast. My okay, bad. so south, so south, so towards uh, yeah, southeast. Okay. Golly, I'm 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 com- I'm turned around now. I've lost my mind. I was trying to make a joke no. about Sonny Deshera putting one into the water, and yeah. then I was saying, what yeah, what, no, what the right would that right be? field line is north south. Home home <laughs> to the right field line is north south. This so, is derailed. So yes, the sun goes down behind the stadium. Okay. So yes, you'd be hitting the ball to the southeast. Bring a compass tonight, and, and get, I mean, get I a, know get it's a, like I that's crazy. I know. I, I know I know how it's laid out, and I know that's why I like my seats on the third. On the uh, you know they're on the third base side, so the sun is behind me. Just just uh, it goes down. Just six. Con- so yeah, it's, it's it would be southeast is center. Field. Just six conference home games left for the mm-hmm. baseball team. Just this series and the last one of the year. Uh, so this is uh, yeah, I think uh, between that and the number of folks in town, just in my uh, you know in my un- oh, un- unscientific be, should be great crowds. Yeah, I think it could be some some great crowds tonight. Looking uh, looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the team. Uh, let's let's get to the phone. <laughs> Jerry is up first. Hey, Jerry. Hey guys, uh, I just wanted to mention I saw a preseason poll the other day, and of course Alabama was first, Ohio State second, uh, Georgia third, and uh, I was surprised to see Auburn was tenth. Was that? I just wanted your opinion about that. Well, was that the FPI or was that a poll? The FPI. That came out is uh, is based on the strength of your schedule, uh, and, and it has a lot to do with it. it doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you are predicted to be a top ten team. They just mean, oh, okay. yeah, that, that that's that's what the FPI had a lot of folks confused when they looked at it. I believe when you look at the FPI, their over under for Auburn wins was six. Yeah, they, so the the FPI is sort of a it's a and, and no because it, it's it's not it's not totally meaningless or anything like no. that. But what they they do a um, it's it's like a, they they do a bunch of simulations of the season. Like it's either it's either five thousand or ten thousand, some number of they you know put all the data they have in there and simulate the season and give you sort of an average of the results. And and they you know what what they tabulate is how often it's like um. It, it's uh, is it like strength the schedule sort of or? yeah it's an index it's, it's that's it's, part of it yes and that's a big part of it but it's a, yeah how many how many points uh, above or below average uh, like a, like a team is I guess is sort of the yeah so it's saying Auburn is competitive but they're not uh, but but and and playing in a very a very difficult schedule. It, yeah it, it does it doesn't take into account the fact that you know you might be a team that's very uh, you you might be above average as a team but you might face five or six teams on your schedule that are significantly above and, average. And that's sort of the situation of what it was last year for Auburn. Auburn was very competitive. Yeah. You know, I mean, Georgia uh, was the only game that Auburn really didn't have a shot to win in the fourth quarter. Texas A&M got away there in the fourth quarter, but in every other ball game, they had an opportunity to win. So that would sort of be what the FBI is, is, hey, this team's good enough to be right there and have a chance. Okay, well, appreciate the info. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate the call, Jerry. 
334-321-1390. Yeah, so I, the thought, F- I thought he was going to give me a geography lesson. So the, so the FBI um, had, uh, had, yeah, has Auburn with, with you know right, right around 14 points above average, which is tied with LSU uh, for, uh, for for 10th in, in their in their poll. But then when mm-hmm. you look at the projected win-loss record uh, of, of Auburn, they've, they've got it because of the schedule. Right. Auburn can be a, a, above average compared to the average team at the bowl subdivision, but because of the schedule, that, you know, being above average might still leave you seven and five with with the number mm-hmm. of quality teams you play, or eight and four. I think you know seven and a half and four and and four and a half. So they've got Auburn averaging between seven and eight wins in twenty thousand simulations of the twenty twenty two season. That's the number ESPN actually gives. I, I went ahead and looked it up. So that that's um, there's good news and bad news in the uh, in in the FPI. Uh, sort of reveal from from ESPN. The, the good news is they they like Auburn at a couple of spots. Uh, you know, certainly compared to the average in the bowl subdivision. The bad news is they also like several of Auburn's opponents uh, to be uh, uh, above average as well. And some of those teams Auburn plays away from home because uh, the FPI also likes LSU. Uh, A and M is just behind Auburn, thirteen points above average. Mississippi State is uh, is or no Ole Miss. Is next up. They're they're right around uh, twelve and a half points above average in the FPI poll. Uh, Mississippi State is ten points above average in the FPI poll. Penn State is right behind Auburn as well. So these are a bunch of teams on top of uh, Alabama and Georgia uh, being ranked ahead of Auburn. You've you've got four or five teams on Auburn's schedule that are just behind Auburn in the uh, in the FPI poll as well. We will uh, get back to your calls here in a little while. Um, but I tell you what, uh, I, I believe I believe we have something else. You know, we're we're going to be doing here on today's drive, and from now on, we've sort of teased about it. But we have tickets. We have tickets to give away to the Kenny Chesney concert over in. Atlanta at Mercedes Benz coming up on the twenty first. That's right. So we we are at at some point in the show. We are going to we're going to call. Uh, we're we're, we're going to say uh, you know ne- next person to call wins at That's some right. point in the show. So you you need to be listening because when we say we'll take our next call for Kenny Chesney tickets. That's right. We're not we're not doing it right now. But, no, but, no, no, no. That's but, right. But because we're about to talk with Al Borges. That's right. But but we will be giving away a pair of tickets to Kenny Chesney in Atlanta later this month, the 21st. That is right. That's Saturday right. the 21st at Mercedes-Benz. So stick with us. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk with former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges, who has got a book out that's coming out about the 2004 Auburn Tigers. So stick with us here on the Friday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390, toll free at 888 382 7502, or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan 
here in the Wow Business Studio, and uh, we are we're really pumped because, as we were saying a while ago, uh, the the two of us uh, back in the day uh, had the had the opportunity at times to to spend a little time on the air with our next guest, and and we are thrilled to be joined by former Auburn offensive coordinator and 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 author of an upcoming book on the 2004 Tigers. That is the uh, the, the one and only uh, Al Borges. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bill. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, though. <laughs> I, gotta, I better bring my A game. Man, I, I was thinking about this, uh, planning on heading over to Plainsman Park. Auburn, Arkansas is a huge series coming up. And, uh, you know, back in the day, that's that I, I could count on on seeing the Hawaiian shirt make its entrance there at Plainsman Park with regularity. Hey, Bill, you know where I'd be if I was in Auburn right now, don't you? I know it. I'd be sitting right next to Ray Tidwell in his box, and we would stay till the end. Now, my son, who's now 17, was only about four years old at the time, but he didn't. He was never anxious to leave. He could make the whole game. If it was a doubleheader, he'd, he'd, he'd cry if I had to leave after the second game. So hey. that's where I'd be if I was there. And and uh, I understand that uh, you may be spending some more time uh, on on visits uh, with 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 your son here locally, huh? Well, my plan with the book, if God, God I hope it, it goes on schedule. But my plan is to have it out for a couple three weeks, and then uh, come to the LSU game. I believe that's October first, mm-hmm. and have the book signed. That's my plan. So stay tuned on that one. But uh, I'm hoping that all works out. Well, let's all right. So let's get into it a little bit and, and, and talk about the book. Uh, I think one of the first questions people would say is, "What took so long?" <laughs> you know, that's a good question. That's a good question. Nobody's really asked that one, but uh, you know, I was coaching, and when you're coaching, it's hard to write books, particularly <laughs> if you write them by yourself. You know, if you got a ghostwriter, you got somebody to do all that. Uh, it's probably more doable, but. When you're doing it all by yourself, which is what I did, I basically wrote the book on my own. Uh, and, you know, I was retired. and I went back to Auburn for the last Iron Bowl. I took my son because my son wants to go to Auburn. And, uh, God, it was amazing. I It was like I never left. It was 18 years ago, and the fans were like I was just there yesterday. So when I got home, my son still fired up to go to Auburn, and I had just felt like I should do something for the fans. You know, for the Auburn fans in particular, but the fans overall, because this is a book for a football fan or somebody, anybody who's interested in a team dynamic, because it's really what it addresses as much as anything. So I sat down, hammered it out, you know, about three weeks. (laughs) I had a first draft. Now, it wasn't ready to be produced or anything, but uh, I did that. And then I went back and I looked at DVDs. I had 13 DVDs from our 13 games. And I went through all of them, every single play, and just, they, I mean, looking at those, just triggered thought after thought. I mean, and, and I almost rewrote it, you know, because there were so many things that occurred to me as I watched those DVDs. So the inspiration of going back to Auburn, my son wanting to go to Auburn, and just a, a chance to kind of relive it because it was such a great experience. Coach, it's uh, this is Dan Peck. It's great to uh, it's great to talk to you again. It's been too long, and and I can't wait for the book. And uh, I, I'd like to know, uh, take us back if you can uh, to the end of the 2003 season when you first hear that that maybe you're a candidate for the Auburn offensive coordinator opening. How did you, uh, you know, how how did it how did it come to be that 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 you were Auburn's offensive coordinator in 2004? 
Well, you're kind of stealing my thunderwear with a book, but I'm going to give you a little tease anyway. That's right. Don't yeah. Don't okay. spoil. Don't spoil too much. I still want people to no. buy the book. But you, Dan, Dan, you were a fan. I mean, I was an underdog. I mean, I, I came mm-hmm. in and uh, there were three guys that had interviewed already, and Kevin Yoxel, who I had worked with at UCLA, who was a strength coach. Now at Auburn, I think he left UCLA like 99, I think, something like that. He was there. And I found out about the job kind of after the fact, so I called Yox up. I go, Yox, uh, is that job still open? He says, yeah, it is. But, you know, Al, I got to tell you, man, they're kind of in the fourth quarter of this thing. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if you had any chance, but I'll mention it. So he did, and I'll be darned, the next couple of days I got a call to uh, to come to Auburn. And, and uh when I got there and I watched the winter conditioning, I said, holy Toledo, do these guys got some guys? I mean, holy, I got to get this job. That's first time I remember. I didn't say that to anybody, but I'm watching. They got a 6'5 quarterback. They got a 6'9 left tackle. They got two running backs that look like running backs. I'm going, holy Toledo, I got to get this job, you know? So I snuck in, and it, it worked out. I, I don't know what to tell you other than that. I, I was thinking, yeah, that, that was what I was going to ask, is did you have any idea – the, the kind of talent you would have available. Yeah, you had three receiver, three or four receivers that got opportunities in the league as well. I mean, uh, that that's as balanced and uh, depth-wise, as much talent as Auburn's had on offense, m- maybe ever acro- when, when you look across the board. Yeah, it was, it's amazing. And this is what's really cool, is we had a lot of talent, but we have even more unselfishness. We had guys that didn't care who got the credit. You know, I got to say this. After the 2003 season, all that, you know, as tumultuous as it was, I think the kids were really focused. I think they were kind of on a mission. And I don't think they really cared, you know, if uh, if I don't rush for a 1,000 yards and we could still win, I'm tired of losing. You know, I think that was kind of the deal. And, and it caught fire after the Tennessee game. You know, LSU was a battle, but it was no offensive masterpiece by any means. But after the Tennessee game, it caught fire. I could feel that we were starting to build to a crescendo, you know, and it was it was getting better every week. Now, the one thing you had to deal with is you got after the Tennessee game, there was more noise, you know, because nobody's coming in at 17 at the beginning of the season. Nobody's saying anything about us like the year before. You know, the publications had rated Auburn high, and I think the noise got to the kids a little bit. But. You know, we started off, we heard nothing until we, we earned our way into the top ten, and then all of a sudden everybody was interested. You know, I think we had game day. Game day showed up three times. Now, they would have showed up four times, but I think Hurricane Ivan kept them out of the LSU game. So, you know, but they handled it. They handled it, and that's that's why we did what we did. Coach, I can I can imagine you knew from seeing that that team for the first time uh, that they had you know so what what it takes to make a run because you were the offensive coordinator of one of my favorite uh, college football teams ever the ninety eight UCLA Bruins which also had a really really special group of talent and also had had what it takes and was one of the reasons why back in two thousand three I thought. This you know when I heard your name was it was uh, you know up up for you know the the job I thought well that's that would that would be a you know this this might work out and and, and indeed it did. So, something I'd like to know about the 2004 team is well, one of, one of the storylines that maybe people forget about is that there was something of a quarterback controversy 
going into that season, there were folks who had maybe soured on Jason Campbell after his first few years at Auburn and wanted to see Brandon Cox given the opportunity mm-hmm. to take over the starting job. How close, I mean, how, how real was the, uh, was the competition to be Auburn's starting quarterback, and what, were there ever moments uh, that you thought uh, you, you should go with Brandon Cox instead of Jason Campbell? Well, the answer to the last question is no. There was never a time I felt <laughs> that. But I will say this. When I got to Auburn, uh, you know, when you're at Auburn, you do all these speaking engagements. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was a Toastmaster of the year when I went there, but, uh, and I love doing them. I great, but I did not like the Q and A's at the end. And the reason I didn't is because everybody would hammer Jason Campbell and I could sense the fan base wanted him replaced every day. And I, you know, here, and I did them after spring ball. I did a bunch of after spring and I, all I saw was, Hey, this kid can play. You know, I couldn't understand why people weren't on the Jason Campbell uh, bandwagon. But, uh, you know, I, I constantly I was being asked, are you going to take him out? He doesn't, you know, he doesn't look very confident. Are you going to give him a chance? Go, well, you know, give me a chance to train this. Everybody kind of slow down a little bit and let's see how he does. I mean, he, but in my mind, guys, he was head and shoulders. He had a death grip on that position. There was no question that he was the best talent. Now, he's going to have to perform. I wasn't, you know, oblivious to that, but he certainly did, and his he had a completely different mindset than he had from the previous years, and I, and I think that's what what kind of carried him over the hump. Talking with former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges here on the Friday edition of the Drive with Bill and Dan, and the the name of the book, which is uh, due out, I get in August, as you said, Deny of the Tiger. Explain that, and uh, it's it, it's a it's a great play uh, on on yeah Survivor, but I mean um, I, I believe it also is is something that really puts Auburn in perspective with what we're seeing right now and what we have now in college football. Yeah, I think uh, that we did not get the opportunity to play for the national championship, at least in part was the impetus behind the playoff system today. I, I really believe that. It took them a while. It took them a while. I mean, that was 2004. I don't think they started the playoffs till like 14 or something like that. So it took them a while, but it was the BCS's ultimate nightmare. Okay? You had, what, four teams that were undefeated, and two of them went wire to wire, uh, one and two. And then we came out of nowhere at 17. I don't think as good as Utah was, and they were good. I don't think people were taking them serious as a national champion, but they certainly were a good team. So there you are. You got four teams and who are you going to pick? You got an undefeated SEC team Mm -hmm. that's not playing for the national championship. To this day, I have trouble wrapping my head around that, but uh, that was the way the system was set up. And the book builds to that okay that's really the whole idea is is us getting denied that opportunity yet being what i call the should be national championships uh so uh if you indulge the book you go through it you'll see how i kind of frame that entire thing yeah i think you'll find it compelling is there uh any place or ways that folks can go ahead and and pre-order oh god i wish they could i i checked my publisher they just don't do it but and I've had more requests for it, but I'm I'm going to keep hammering that one out, guys. I'm going to see if, if I can't make a little headway with that because I am getting a lot of requests, which is cool. I love it. You know, the guys guys want the book and haven't even read it yet. You know, hey, remember now, and I, I've been telling the other people I've talked to this. 
This is not Hemingway and, and, and Steinbeck here now. This is me. This is written by a football coach like a football coach. How many games did they win? All right. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, how, many, how many quarterbacks did they send to the first round, coach? <laughs> That's great. I'm going to use that next next time. Hey. Uh, uh, so you just got to know it, 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 it's it, it's kind of PG sometimes because I didn't want to belie the authenticity of the scenarios. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking to the quarterback on the sideline or something emotional happens, there's some there's some words in there that you're going to have to, but you know, uh, a little cavalier at times. But I think it it puts you in the locker room and it puts you on the sideline, it puts you in the meeting rooms and it puts you in the huddles. And that, that's what I wanted. I otherwise, why would I write a book? I just you know, there's several publications that have come out in this season that are darn good. But I wanted to come at it from a different angle. Well, we're we're really really looking forward to it. Got to got to ask you a couple of questions though while we have you here because there there are some things you said you were down for the for the Iron Bowl this past year. Yeah, and I had such a good time until the the, the, the last play of the game. Yeah, I was you know, I, I, God, that was what a great game it was. But it's just the wrong team won. So what are you going to do? Well, I wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, because you were someone, you know, you know, Brian Harson has gone through some tough times here. There were, you know, a lot of sort of behind the scenes type things that were, uh, they weren't the same, but it was um, some things that I think people that were around uh, coming after the 2003 season can relate to. And Brian Harson also, a lot of people, you know, looking at him going, well, he's not from this part of the country. How's he going to relate? And you came in, of course, without any experience here in the South. Have you have you had any thoughts about that and just wondered what your thoughts were about the Auburn program and situation right now? Well, guys, and I put this in the book, but I'm going to tell you, you. Have you guys seen my cousin Vinny? Oh, yes. Yeah, I think I've watched it about ten times because it just kills me every time. Oh, it's so hilarious. I was Vinny Gambini, and 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 I came in and I you know I wore Hawaiian shirts. I did not address, I did not talk. I cussed too much. I didn't I didn't know what a grit was. You know what I mean? And, and it's kind of a, a microcosm of the whole thing. Transitioning not just your football thinking, but your culture, understanding the culture, and 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 and, and knowing how to live in the South. You got to be a little bit of a chameleon. You know, I said in the book, and I'll say it now. I said I you know I, it's more than. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. It's, it's when in Rome, you become an Italian when you're in the South. I mean, it's, it's, it's got, it goes beyond that. And if you win and you do well, they'll go for that. They don't care where you're from if you win. But if you lose, you instantly become an outsider. So you got to kind of cling to what Auburn is. And that's what I did. And I, guys, I came in. I didn't know a thing about Auburn. I did nothing. I'm talking zero. I didn't know much about Jetgate. All I knew about Auburn is they had a running back named Cadillac. And I didn't even know his last name, but I thought that was a cool name. Okay, but after that, I, I had to adjust as I went. And I and in the book, it, it, it addresses that at the beginning. Is is my 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 my, my change, my cultural change. Uh, understand the culture, the the uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the the way guys speak. You know, I had to I had to get used to that. I, it was just a different deal. But it's all a, all part of the thing when you coach in the South. You got to learn what the kids are like, what the people are like. And Auburn, because they care so much, and I was telling Feinbaum this yesterday, or the day before yesterday, is it's volatile. It's, it's always been volatile. It's, it, before, and it'll be volatile after this. So 
So when you come in, you got to be ready to adjust, and you got to win some games, win some big games, and they'll jump on the bandwagon a minute. And I'm gonna tell you, there's no place better than Auburn when you're doing well. Coach, you were the uh, you were the offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Boise State in '93 and '94. Brian Harson got there in '95. Do you remember him? Did you intersect with him at all uh, when he I was? Recruited. You recruited him. That's what I thought. You you wow. I never did. I never did coach him, but I recruited Brian. Uh, <laughs> we have some funny stories. Last time I saw him. But I recruited him, but I left. Uh, I mean, shortly after I recruited him, I went to Oregon. So I never really got a chance to coach him. But And he was a, he's a local kid who I think we recruited as a walk-on, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. But uh, he turned out to be a good player. He was a good player. And he's a good football mind. I mean, he really is a good football mind. And I think if they're patient with him and they understand, I think, I think he'll do a good job. Because I think he has what it takes from a toughness perspective and from a football awareness perspective. But it's like anything else, guys. First year, I got lucky because I had a lot of talent when I went over. He's still kind of transitioning, and those transitioning, transitional growing pains can be, can be, you know, they're kind of hard at the beginning. But I think once he gets his system in place and how he wants to do things, I think it'll all work out fine. Well, there's some similarities. I mean, yes, there was some conflict, some things going on behind the scenes. Auburn doesn't have... Uh, they don't. They don't have a Cadillac. They've got a tank now at, <laughs> at running back. But but uh, but but college football is so much different than uh, right now than it ever has been with the transfer portal and NIL. Just uh, uh, but b- before we run out of time, just I'd love your thoughts on the changes that we've seen and uh, you know h- how you feel about some of those. Well. Uh... This is 2022, and this was, you know, this was going to happen. We could all see these types of things coming up. The transfer portal, I didn't think that would it would turn out to be that, you know, that cavalier where you could just you could just blow out, you know, if you were saying that that drives me out of my mind. But uh, it is what it is. I mean, a lot of kids have benefited from the transfer portal. In, in fairness to that, but uh, the NIL again, that was coming. And now. I heard Saban say the other day that he doesn't think it can sustain, and I tend to agree with him because, I mean, you got some logistical issues as you go that are really, really big. But as much as I'm not crazy about either one of them, it wouldn't have affected me whether I was going to be a college football coach. And I learned to live with it. I don't have to like it. There were things when I was coaching I wasn't crazy about. But it is what it is, and if you want to coach and you want to compete every Saturday, you want to be in that arena, that's what you're dealing with. So you make it work. You find a way. If it's transfer portal, is that, that uh, big a deal? Find a way to make the transfer portal work for you. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. And if the NIL is that big a deal, find a way to make the NIL work for you. And I think Auburn can do both. Yep, you have to adjust. Coach, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. Love to get you back on when the, uh, when the book is available. Whenever you want. Open, yeah. open invitation. Coach. Anytime. This was, this was awesome. I would love to do it, guys. And what I'll do is I'll do this. As soon as it comes out, I'll let you guys know. Okay, I'll ship you a text or something, and we'll do it the day the book comes out. I'm good with that. I mean, you guys are you guys are right there in the heart of it, and you deserve to find out first. So I'll let you know as soon as that happens. That's great. We really appreciate it. Thanks for spending a little time with us, uh, Al. Have a great weekend. Absolutely, guys. Great talking to you. All right. Uh, Coach Al Borges joining us here on the Friday Drive. And that was fun. Some uh, some great oh, some man. great memories. Uh, that guy, that guy's that guy's the best. Ugh. We will get to our final break of hour number one. We'll open up the phone lines. Come on in and join us here on the Friday Drive. The first Saturday in May. 
you're invited to the Run for the Roses. Welcome to Allstate, where saving on your auto insurance is kind of like a joyride. You, your car, and an open road. Maybe your best friend, too. The music is chill, and so is the traffic. You and your friend both look over at each other, and then he puts his head back out the window. Allstate. Here, better protection costs a whole lot less. You're in good hands with Allstate. Click, call, or visit Allstate.com to save today. Allstate and affiliates offer products and services subject to availability, terms, and conditions. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at we're out of time for hour number one of the drive. Our thanks to Al Borges for joining us. Uh, we didn't, you know, didn't even ask him where he is. He's about. He said he was about to head to Nashville. He's been in Ann Arbor. We're, we're gonna. Al has been a lot of places. We're, we're gonna. We're gonna see if we can maybe run that again because Al, Al Borges was just so good oh. there, there in the in the first hour. And you know what else we're gonna do in hour number two, Bill? We're going to give away tickets to Kenny Chesney. That's. Uh, show's coming up Saturday, May 21st at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Stay tuned. When we, uh, when we tell you to call, the first person that calls in will get those tickets, a pair of tickets. So stay tuned. Hour number two coming up here on the Friday Drive. W294AR Auburn. WGCC HD3 Waverly. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. ESPN 1067. A broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Friday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on this pretty and gusty Friday afternoon. Bill, Dan, and Drew here in the WOW Business Studio. That's right. Get the speed you need with super fast business internet when you switch to WOW. Visit wowforbusiness.com. Hour number two of the Drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations at Auburn and Opelika. On the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through 
is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Our thanks to uh, Al Borges, former Auburn offensive coordinator, joining us in hour number one. May run that again uh, if we have an opportunity. Um, as he has a book coming out, Deny the Tiger, talking about the 2004 Auburn team that was denied the opportunity to play for the national championship. And I don't disagree. That went a long way toward getting getting us to the playoff system that we have in college football. And, and the outcome of the 2004 season is an interesting part of the story, but it's not the whole story, right? I mean, I, I loved hearing about... Uh, how Al Borges became oh, yes. Auburn's offensive coordinator and sort of his reactions to adjusting uh, the, the Mike Cousin Vinny analogy as far as adjusting to, to life in the South. And how about how about learning that Al Borges recruited Brian Harson to, to Boise State? Yeah, as, I did not as, realize as the that. offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in the uh, in the early nineties uh, there for the uh, for, for the Broncos. Uh, that's a, a a wild footnote, uh, you know, in the uh, in, in in the Brian Harson story that, that that was the that was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, when he when he was in high school, considering uh, the uh, the hometown Broncos, yeah. So uh, we'd love your thoughts on anything you want to talk about sports wise. A huge baseball weekend. We'll talk about that and more. But let's get to the phone. Hootie was trying to get through when we had uh, when we were trying to uh, get connections with Coach Borges. So uh, he's back with us now. Hey, Hootie. Hey, I don't know. Somebody done told you now. I looked at went on Google, looked at Albert Spanceman Park. Uh huh. Home plate, first baseline, is practically north north south. south. Yeah, yeah. I about mean, I just got, I got I got turned completely. I don't know what I was t- thinking about. I I know what I'm looking. I know what I'm thinking of because my season tickets are on the third baseline and the sun goes down directly behind me. So when yeah, you're looking and, out and, toward when you're looking out toward uh, the the Green Monster, the left field line, that's the biggest sun field because they are due east. Of home plate, yeah. Because the east, no, the third baseline runs east west, right? And right behind the outside center wall was like a whole bunch of air conditioning units. That's a power plant, yeah. It was a yeah. It like it's, all you can see is the fans on top. Mm-hmm. When you zoom in on, on Google Earth, it's just fans, right? All you can see is the fans. And on the picture they got the 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 uh, the shade was. Right behind the press box. It was the only shade you could practically see on the field because it that's, was almost made at noontime. Yeah, and see, and that's right, and, and that's very important. All right, so my younger son has our first grandchild, and, and they want to take her to her first baseball game. She is six weeks old. Uh-huh. They want to take her to her first baseball game, so they wanted to make sure that they've got shade. Because you, yeah, you you don't want to put the baby in the in the uh, in in this southern sun. So so yeah, so absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, Hootie. Guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I I mean I I knew what I was thinking. It, I just said it completely wrong a while ago. That all That's started fine. because we were talking about the gusts of wind. Yeah. Well, and the I, wind is blowing from the west, and that's what I was thinking from the west. So, where does it blow? It's to the east, and I was and trying that's to, east is 
is the Green Monster. Yeah, I was thinking, what body of water would a ball launched from Plainsman Park? The you know? Atlantic. Yeah, there, there, I was trying to think which which way <laughs> which where would it eventually land, yeah. and that's uh, that that's how we got in, in, into that discussion. But thank you, Hootie, uh, for the uh, clarifications on uh, on on the directions. Who's uh, who's Auburn going with tonight? In the in the uh, in, uh, Mason in the, Barnett. It's Mason who, who has been Auburn's midweek starter. He had great stuff, and he's pitched well here in midweek. Big opportunity for him tonight. Met Mason on campus years ago. Really, really smart guy, and a uh, and somebody who's uh, who's thrilled thrilled to be at Auburn, and someone who, uh, what well, earlier in his career they tried him as the closer, right? Right. And and uh, and, and maybe uh, you know they, they decided to uh, uh, to give it a better shot with uh, with him in the rotation. Uh, he's been promising uh, midweek. Yeah, lo- looking forward to seeing Mason as the Friday night starter tonight. Auburn having to make adjustments after the uh, the injuries last week. Floyd just texted me. The wind will be blowing from right to left on my radio dial. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. Thanks, thanks, Floyd. Yeah, I used to. I used to love, I love that. that. Yeah, you know. Of course. Because, you know, that's something you used to do. You know I mean? You'd, you'd describe. I always it used to drive me crazy. I wanted to make sure when I was doing play-by-play for football or basketball that I'd let people know which direction I'm calling it on their radio dial. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, or just as they saw it. It's funny. I don't know that I said on your radio dial, but I would say we're, you know, you know, uh, so and so will be moving left uh, to right because they may not know if that's north to south or east to west or whatever. What's the football game they're going to play uh, this upcoming season where they're going to only go one direction because they well, because I don't they, know. It's, it's like it's uh, because what? the football they don't have. I guess the they got a half a field. The end zones the end zones too narrow at one end. So when they, they got what, a stage what, on one end, well, like, no, but the, old, like guess, the old uh, high school. I think it's one of the baseball. Wow! Fields. I think they're playing a they're playing a football game well, somewhere where they fifty yard line. What do you do? Turn around no, and go back the other way? No, I, I think they have they have a hundred yards, but it's it's kind of a tight so if squeeze. you intercept a pass, what do you do? You run backwards? I, I think they don't they don't want. <laughs> They don't want teams trying to score in one end zone because there's not a lot of room, like on the sidelines between separating the end zone from the crowd. So they're going to only use that one for defense. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, have, that's, that's like assuming there's not going to be any defensive touchdowns. They're well, not no, going to have any special teams. But a deep, but no, but a, t- a player can run in there. But I don't think they want receivers trying to like play the sideline and stuff. They don't want offensive plays trying to go into that end zone. It's I, I there, there's definitely. Yeah, is, is it, yeah, I think it's, it's there's a there's a game. I, I want to say it was maybe Yankee Stadium or something. Yeah, somebody, it was, yeah, I think it was Yankee where Stadium. they're, they're going to play. But it's it's so so all of the offensive plays will be going towards one end zone, no matter who has the ball. Like you'll you'll always be. So if you get to overtime, it doesn't matter. It does. It doesn't matter. But there, I guess that's a that, you lose that choice. Because but you, but you can understand sort of the concerns where if you if you don't have a ton of room around the end zone, if there's you know if if there's not much room between the the stands or or a structure of some kind and the end zone, you maybe don't want uh, you you don't want uh, offensive players uh, trying to run plays into that end zone because they might they might uh, you know hit the hit the uh, hit the wall or something. You know, it's it's literally yeah they might they might hit the wall. And it's not and it's not arena league. They're not. They're not. You know. They're not checking anybody into the boards in uh, in this one. So uh, yeah, they're going to run. It's it's. Uh, I'll look up and see what which oh, game okay. it is. But it's some. Yeah, I, some game is is being played. You were mentioning going left to right on your radio dial. And there's yeah. Well, I guess there's a game. The there's a game where everybody will be blowing. There's going to be a game next yeah. year where everybody's always going. You know, right to left on, that, on your radio dial, no matter who's got that, the ball. That's pretty funny. All right, here are the pitching matchups for the Auburn Arkansas series. Tonight is huge because Arkansas is going with their ace. Tonight, Auburn going with Mason Barnett, who has been a midweek starter. If Auburn gets the win here, huge advantage, Tigers. Connor Nolan, 5-3 and three with a 277, goes tonight 
against Mason Barnett. Mason, 2-1 and one with a 419 earned run average. Tomorrow, it's freshman lefty Hagen Smith for the Hogs. Uh, six and two with a 375, while Auburn will go with its uh, normal game two starter. That's junior righty Trace Bright, who's two and four with a 429. And then Sunday, Auburn's ace, Joseph Gonzalez, the sophomore, six and one with a 230 earn run average, will go against Jackson Wiggins, a sophomore righty who's five and one with a 575 earn run average. So those are the matchups. Huge series, as we said, going on over at uh, Plainsman Park tonight. Uh, getting underway right, uh, you know, just getting underway. Auburn High hosting Alma Bryant in the quarterfinals of the 7A baseball playoffs. And and uh, we, we will uh, try to keep you updated on that as we continue here through our number two of the drive. Yeah, look, looking to see if we can get a score on that uh, before the uh, before the end of the show and maybe even uh, before the end of the uh, bottom of the hour, get you an update on Auburn High and Alma Bryant. You can listen to that on 96.3 W. Lee or go to uh, AUNetwork.com and uh, and listen live uh, with the uh, with the 96.3 W. Lee tab. But, uh, yeah, Auburn and, uh, and Alma Bryant playing some uh, playoff baseball at the moment. Um, let's see. Uh, this is its graduation weekend. There should be great crowds. And I don't know... Um, it seemed like Auburn did have uh, some some football players coming in, some uh, transfer prospects visiting this weekend. I'll see if I can find that as well. You know, because classes, like, like we said, graduation going on this weekend, and the start of the summer term begins May 18th. So, um, so that's, that's coming soon. And you would love to have players that are going to be on the team this fall to be able to go through the summer. If they, you know, you'd love to have them for the first term, but for sure the second, which I believe starts June 28th. But uh, but but look for Auburn, I would think, to try to add another player or two, if they can, to their commit list and try to have them in school to be going through summer workouts. Yeah, that we, we've mentioned that there doesn't seem to be a timeline as far as when you want to uh, enroll the players, but you can understand why a coach in football or basketball mm-hmm. Would want the team enrolled, or would want the player enrolled before the summer semester starts, so they can be uh, more intensely involved. There, there are limits on what you can and can't do if you're not enrolled at the school, right, Bill? Like there are things that there are things you can and can't participate in if right. you're, if you're you an actual student. You can't go through the organized workouts. I mean, you you'd, you'd have you could still get some instruction, um, like what they want you to do, things like that. But you couldn't be able to use the facilities or work, you know, work out during the those team type workouts. So, so yeah, we uh, we'll see if there are any more uh, players. You know, something uh, I, I saw this yesterday, uh, and and this definitely bears mention today. Did you see the state record set by the Auburn High School track athlete yesterday? Charlie Sexton set the state record for the hundred meter dash. In the qualifiers yesterday, the opening day of the uh, state track and field championships in Gulf Shores, he ran a 10.15 hundred meters. That blew away the all-time best hundred meters in the state. Uh, The the all-time record had been set back in 2011 of 10.33. So he is the fastest 
fastest uh, high schooler in Alabama history. Shout him out again. What was his name? Charlie Sexton. Way to go, Charlie. Yeah, n- nice, nice work with the uh, with, with with that uh, remarkable. Uh, Unbelievable! Final. Yeah, the hundred meter finals, by the way, are going to be on Saturday. I think the game I was talking about is the one that's going to be at Toyota Field on the on October fifteenth. So the Trash Pandas are hosting uh, uh, North Alabama Jacksonville State, and I think they're going to only use. I think they're going to use the omnidirectional thing because of the because of the of the baseball fields. Yeah, baseball fields aren't laid out. Well, for football fields. Yeah, I want to say I want to say that's the one that's that's going to be hosting. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes they have to use sort of a an odd configuration. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so you know, it's it's not always the worst thing in the world. Sometimes it provides a really cool visual. Oh yeah, when you see those uh, when you see those games at, uh, at at what are traditionally baseball fields. Yeah, so I I had not heard about that. So that that's going to be really interesting. We'll go ahead and get to our first break of hour number two. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. Here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 17 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Friday afternoon. That's right. I mean, some stuff we're still monitoring here in the uh, in, in the world of Auburn sports. I mean, uh, with, uh, with with Daz Worsham uh, choosing Auburn on Wednesday afternoon, you have the uh, the first. I mean, that that's the first transfer to pick Auburn in quite some time, right? Of the uh, of the players in the transfer portal, Daz was the first one to to to, to choose Auburn in. Yeah. In, it's in quite, been a while. quite a while. It doesn't seem like it's going to mean. Hopefully, won't be quite as long before the next player uh, chooses I mean, Auburn, the first, whoever it is. First since before um, before the start of the spring. You got to go back it? to like Robbie Ashford, right? Yeah. You got to go back to the guys that yeah signed right. up back in in December. Uh, you know, to, to come in, in in the spring semester. So yeah, it's been been a while, but uh, you know, well, Auburn, it makes sense though. I mean, uh, he he had an opportunity to go through a spring practice. And uh, now he'll be able to be in for the uh, for the summer workouts. Remains to be seen, you know, what else Auburn is looking at and who else might consider Auburn. As you said, sounds like there are some recruits in town, not just from the uh, classes of, of 2023 and 2024, but also uh, may, maybe some players considering Auburn in the portal at the moment. You know, speaking of the transfer portal, the story that, uh, that that's caught my eye is uh, Matt McMahon and, uh, and, and LSU. Uh, they picked up another Murray State player in the portal. Yeah, I, I saw they've gotten a couple. Ju- Justice right. Hill and the uh, and the, uh, the the young man, not not uh, Tevin Brown, uh, who is uh, no. who, who's in the NBA draft, He's, but hasn't right. but hasn't made a, a final decision yet. Could come no, back to college he could basketball. Come back. And seeing two Murray State players and the Murray State coach choose LSU, Bill, makes me wonder if Tevin Brown were to come back to college basketball. I would think that would be a, a pretty likely landing spot. I, I for could I, I could absolutely see that as the. Um, as the uh, as as the 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 possible next step for uh, for, for Murray State, uh, K uh, K J Williams was the is the forward who chose LSU yesterday. Uh, he's a six ten power forward who was Player of the Year uh, in twenty twenty two in the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, he averaged uh, eighteen points, eight and a half rebounds a game last year for Murray State. He's following his coach to uh, uh, to uh, Murray State. He, he's originally from Mississippi. Justice Hill and Trey Hannibal. Have already chosen 
LSU from the Murray State roster last year. So three Murray State players have followed their coach from Murray State uh, to LSU, hmm. and there's another prominent Murray State player in the uh, in, in in the in in the NBA draft that could probably the, the most prominent, the most well, the conference player of the year, well, uh, K, KJ Williams, was the one who chose LSU yesterday. Right. I mean, of the guys, uh, of the guys. Other guys left. Yes, from, yes, uh, from Murray State. Of, yes. of yes, I mean, but but don't be surprised if Matt McMahon maybe even makes it four and and were to pick it up. And for a team that didn't have any scholarship players a couple of weeks ago, Bill, it's a pretty good start. Well, I mean, it is the SEC. Yeah, I mean, and, and even if the you know even if the NCAA were to uh, you know hit them hard, I mean, it's still an opportunity to play in the best league in and, the country. And we've wondered, you know, if a Group of Five coach or a power a mid major coach. Uh, would would you know especially with these free transfer rules, if you're going to see someone bring two or three or four or five players with them from their previous school, it's almost it's almost an anomaly in what you've seen that Gus that that Brian Harson didn't bring any Boise State players with him from Boise to Auburn because it it seems to be more and more commonplace that when you hire from the group of five level, a player or two at right. least follows the coach, and maybe in some cases it was the the Kansas coach from Buffalo in football, who brought fifteen plus players. I think part of that, I, I, but I just from my perception of Brian Harson is he didn't feel like that would have been right for Boise. I don't think. Well, I think yes. I think there's there's absolutely you know maybe emotional ties or, or or sentimental ties to Boise where he wouldn't have wanted to leave them in in a lurch by right. raiding the roster on top of of leaving for uh, uh for, for Auburn but um yeah I think that there's maybe there's absolutely that that could have played a, a role in it but we're seeing the the Kansas coach who brought you know more than a dozen players with him from Buffalo to Kansas football last year you know I wondered how you know if, if you're going to see more of that in football or basketball Matt McMahon bringing three Murray State players with him to LSU, including the Conference Player of the Year, is as close to that as we've seen from right. a Group of Five coach or a, a mid-major coach getting a Power Five job. And they may they may not be done. I mean, Matt McMahon is uh, you know he was. Well, they need with, some players. They need I mean, some players, <laughs> and and he knows some pretty good ones uh, that would play in the SEC right. if given the opportunity. So yeah, I can't necessarily blame anyone for this, but it is interesting how they're becoming the uh, uh, the, the the Murray State Murray State Tigers. They're in, a, in in Baton Rouge with the coach and three players now from last year's Murray State team. And uh, where's where's Tevin Brown from? Isn't he in Mobile area? Uh, Fairhope, I believe. Okay, so that's also if if you were to pick LSU, it'd right. be a little, little bit closer to home, maybe oh, than, yes. uh, than than the middle of Kentucky. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, now we were talking about uh, Daz Worsham and some other possibilities. I'm I'm not sure where he's visiting or you know what schools he's visiting, but uh, but I think Auburn's very much in the mix. We talked a little bit about Matt Landers, the the former Georgia receiver who was at Toledo this past year, uh, and and put up put up some very impressive numbers. He averaged averaged uh, over 25 yards a catch this past year, and uh, he had uh, 20 catches. For the season, but he was injured early on. He caught 18 of his 20 receptions in the last five games. And he averaged nearly 30 yards a catch on those 18 catches in his last five games. Landers was uh, was class of 17 uh, as a right. as a recruit. Auburn recruited him out of high school. Was one of the nation's top 100 receivers uh, out of uh, out of high school in 2017. Was he says what is he St. Pete? St. Petersburg. Uh, yeah, actually, I think I think it would like St. Pete High, uh, which is uh, I mean a lot of high schools in St. Petersburg, Florida. But yeah, he's a uh, he's St. Petersburg kid, uh, six five. 
as 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 you mentioned, which would be a you know that that's something mm-hmm. different than what Auburn has in the receivers room right now. He's only been in the portal officially for a couple of days or entered the portal earlier this week, so uh, would make sense that he hasn't had a ton of movement as a recruit yet. Uh, but I mean, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Auburn is is early in the uh, in in the mix for uh, for for Matt Landers, who uh, who entered the uh, and entered the transfer portal well, after he, he was at he was at Toledo for a year. Uh, right. Joined joined that team in February of 2021 after spending the first couple of years of his career at Georgia. One year of eligibility left. Yeah, caught a touchdown pass in the uh, Sugar Bowl, I believe, uh, for for Georgia. Um, the schools that that he was down to when he selected Georgia. Um, were Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Notre Dame. So I mean, he wasn't he wasn't the most highly ranked guy, but I like to see what schools offered players. I mean, a six five guy that has that kind of speed, you'd sure love to add somebody like that to the uh to the rotation. Hey Bill, you know what I think we should do? What's that? I mean I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, we've been we've been sort of uh, teasing it a couple of times. Before we get to our bottom of the hour, let's give away a pair of tickets to Kenny Chesney at Mercedes-Benz Stadium two weeks from tomorrow. And all it takes is for you to have the quickest fingers. First caller gets a pair of tickets to Kenny Chesney at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on May 21st. That's and there right. the phone is ringing. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets each day, starting every today day. through the through the rest of next week. We're going yes. to be, we got we got a pair of tickets to give away every single day to the Kenny Chesney Show uh, in uh, in Atlanta on the twenty first. And the uh, and next next call uh, well, next next call wins. We got yeah. We, we had have... somebody that called in and the, and 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 they either had the wrong number or were so excited they hung up. So we've got somebody. Drew, Drew, let's Drew, let's talk to him for a second. Yeah, we just we just we just need to find we, yeah, just, we, we, we just need to congratulate. Hey, congratulations! You're you're a winner, caller. You're on the air. That's awesome. This is Shane in Auburn. Hey, Shane, man, you've got a couple of tickets to see Kenny Chesney, and man, what a, what a show going on yeah, on, uh, on the twenty first. Hey, so so we're gonna need you to get some info with uh, with Drew. Uh, so so don't hang up when we're uh, when we. Uh, no, I just wanted to congratulate. But, uh, yeah, yeah, congratulations, Shane. Glad glad to uh, glad to say you're a winner. Thanks, guys. Right. Um, uh, can, could you um, any any kind of update on uh, softball? I haven't got to hear a lot about them uh, recently. Have they made enough um, a splash to, to perhaps host, or are they are they outside looking in? I'll uh, hang up. Uh, oh, I won't hang up. Okay, no, no, that's it, that's it. Yeah, you, we'll we'll put you back on hold. We'll get that. I mean, they're sort of on the bubble. They've, they've got Tennessee this weekend, and uh, if they can win that series, they'll be in very very good shape. Of course, got the. Uh, Got the SEC tournament coming up, but no, I think they're very much in the picture. But I mean, as far as hosting, probably got some, still got some work to I've, do. I've seen uh, some of the, and there are there are folks who do bracketology for college softball, right? And and some of them have Auburn just outside the regional hosts. Right. You know, they've got Auburn as maybe the best two seed in the field, so Auburn's close mm-hmm. to uh, to hosting postseason action. But they might be uh, they, they might be on the road, uh, you know, trying to uh, try, trying to trying to spoil somebody else's uh, time as a host. Well, that, that's why uh, you know. They've still got it out there in front of them and an opportunity to uh, to get there. Yeah, appreciate the question, Shane. And again, congratulations. Drew's getting him set up. And yes, as Dan said, we'll be giving away tickets 
um, every day. I mean, it's uh, Kenny Chesney, Dan and Shay, Old Dominion, Carly Pierce, all coming up on the 21st over at Mercedes-Benz. That's right, and uh, we're going to be giving away tickets uh, all, all next week. Uh, it's going to be next person to call wins when we when we ask for them. We've already given away today's tickets to Shane. Congratulations to Shane, and uh, and if you didn't win, keep listening uh, throughout the uh, throughout the next week. You may have an opportunity uh, again uh, to, uh, to to claim these tickets. Looking uh, looking forward to uh, uh, to giving away uh, more, more tickets to the Kenny Chesney Show. Coming up on our bottom of the hour break. And uh, you know, if we, we get an, if we have the opportunity, we, we may replay uh, some uh, or all of the uh, the interview with with Al Borges. Hope you had a chance to hear that. If not, uh, we we may uh, let you hear that some more. The former Auburn offensive coordinator has authored a book that will be coming out in August uh, called "Deny the Tiger." So uh, so so that coming up as well as we're. Again, approaching the bottom of the hour break here on this Friday. If you missed any of Al Borges, you can, of course, check the podcast out, Podcast of the Drive, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, available wherever you get your podcasts. Go to ESPNAU.com or just search your favorite podcasting platform for The Drive with Bill Cameron, and you'll find it that way. Back with more. Stick with us here on the Friday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Bottom of the hour here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Drew at the controls. And let's uh, get to the phones. We're going to rerun the Al Borges interview that we did in hour number one in just a few minutes. But first, uh, we'll, and, and we'll give you an update on the Auburn High Baseball score. Fourth inning, Auburn leads Alma Bryant one nothing. That is in the uh, fourth inning. Top of the fourth, I believe I, I was told. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're in the fourth uh, in the uh, in the first of what could be two games or what will be two games uh, tonight, weather permitting, and if they can uh, if if they still need to uh, play a third tomorrow, uh, they will play that one. Then you can hear all that action on ninety six three W Lee. Let's get to the phones. Matt is hanging on. What's up, Matt? Hey guys, um, have you guys heard anything about Alan Green's situation or status? That the, uh, a few months ago, he was it was sounded like he was not going to be renewed or um have you heard i mean is he going to get a new contract yeah you know you, I, you know i i think it's been publicly it's been very quiet about like what you know what what alan alan green's status is moving forward i i imagine that the new president uh is, is going to want to uh to evaluate 
uh, you know, the, the the job that's being done. That doesn't necessarily mean that Alan Green is is on the hot seat or anything like that. You know, I think a lot of it maybe is is tied to uh, Brian Harson's uh, success or failure as as Auburn football coach long term. Uh, but but no, I I get the sense that. Uh, you know, and anything that was sort of swirling around about about Alan Green, you know, you know, and, and imminently leaving, uh, has has calmed down. And uh, you know, I, I would I would expect him to still be the athletic director this fall. Do uh, there, there was a um, I've forgotten the gentleman's name who was brought in sort of as a consultant um, into the athletic department um, that you know last year when all the uproar is he still a part of the athletic? You know, athletic department uh, policy. Yeah, so, so I, you're you're talking about the uh, the chief operating officer, uh, General Burgess. Uh, Ron, general, Ron, yeah, yeah G- general General Ron Burgess, Lieutenant General uh, Ron Burgess, uh, who was uh, you know who who I guess was um, yeah. I mean, there were reports that he had taken a more active role in the athletic department, even though that's that's not necessarily the the primary job of a of a chief operating officer, and and what what that meant for leadership. Uh, in the uh, in 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 the department, you haven't heard as much about uh, Gen- General Burgess uh, in the uh, in in the athletic department uh, nowadays. But maybe that's just because you don't have the uh, uh, you you don't have the, the same sort of headlines as as you did earlier early, earlier this this year. Right. Yeah, and that's why I was wondering maybe if it was a general sense that there was a lot of head coaches on some of the. Major, it did, uh, it did teams seem were a little bit of an uprising. So, well, it did. It did seem like the the Burgess thing was also maybe a Jay Gouge decision. You know, I don't want to be, you know, I want to be careful about that. But maybe it was at, at the behest of the of the previous president. And so, you know, with with a leadership change and with a uh, a new president at the helm, may, maybe that's you know, may, maybe that's not going to be the same. Right. Okay. And um, another question. I'll just hang up. Appreciate you taking my call. Um, how many scholarships do we have left for basketball? Uh, do we have two or three? Did was the kid that was going to play both basketball and football, and now it's going to be basketball? Does he occupy? He, do, he does occupy. He, he does occupy a basketball scholarship. The the my, my understanding is Auburn has one uh, scholarship remaining, and if Julian Phillips were to commit to Auburn next week, that would be it, uh, and that that would be that would be Auburn's limit, unless someone were to were to leave uh, from 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 the team. Thanks. Appreciate. It. Yeah, ab- ab- pre- yeah, absolutely. Good, good stuff, Matt. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, you know, and, th- and that that can be important. I mean, Auburn went into last season with a scholarship still available, uh, you know, which uh, uh, which ended up going to, uh, to to Preston Cook. But uh, it seems like Auburn, if they uh, if they land uh, Julian Phillips next week, you know, that that's going to be the the you know the, they'll have the they'll have the roster ready to go, barring any attrition. If they don't, uh, they will. Um, but uh, they will, uh, you know, they'll, they'll they'll keep looking. Let's uh, let's get to Al Borges, who uh, who was uh, nice enough to join us in the previous hour. We'll run as much of this as we can, uh, time permitting. Uh, but uh, yeah, here, here's uh, here's Coach Al Borges joining us uh, in the previous hour, talking about his upcoming book and uh, memories of his time as Auburn offensive coordinator. We are we're really pumped because, as we were saying a while ago, uh, the the two of us uh, back in the day. Uh, had the had the opportunity at times to to spend a little time on the air with our next guest, and and we are thrilled to be joined by former Auburn offensive coordinator and 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 author of an upcoming book on the 2004 Tigers. That is the uh, the, the one and only uh, Al Borges. Coach, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Bill. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction though. <laughs> I gotta I better bring my A game. 
Man, I, I was thinking about this, uh, planning on heading over to Plainsman Park. Auburn, Arkansas is a huge series coming up. And, uh, you know, back in the day, that's that I, I could count on on seeing the Hawaiian shirt make its entrance there at Plainsman Park with regularity. Hey, Bill, you know where I'd be if I was in Auburn right now, don't you? I know it. I'd be sitting right next to Ray Tidwell in his box, and we would stay till the end. Now, my son, who's now 17, was only about four years old at the time, but he didn't. He was never anxious to leave. He could make the whole game. If it was a doubleheader, he'd, he'd, he'd cry if I had to leave after the second game. So hey, that's where I'd be if I was there. And and uh, I understand that uh, you may be spending some more time uh, on, on visits uh, with, with, with your son here locally, huh? Well, my plan with the book, if God, God I hope it, it goes on schedule, but my plan is to have it out for a couple, three weeks, and then uh, come to the LSU game, I believe that's October 1st, mm-hmm. and have the book signed. That's my plan. So stay tuned on that one, but uh, I'm hoping that all works out. Well, let's right, so let's get into it a little bit and, and, and talk about the book. Uh, I think one of the first questions people would say is, what took so long? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. That's a good question. Nobody's really asked that one, but... Uh, you know, I was coaching, and when you're coaching, it's hard to write books, particularly <laughs> if you write them by yourself. You know, if you got a ghostwriter, you got somebody to do all that, uh, it's probably more doable. But when you're doing it all by yourself, which is what I did, I basically wrote the book on my own. Uh, and, you know, I was retired, and I went back to Auburn for the last Iron Bowl. I took my son because my son wants to go to Auburn, and uh, God, it was amazing. I, it was like I never left. It was 18 years ago, and the fans were like I was just there yesterday. So when I got home, my son still fired up to go to Auburn, and I had just felt like I should do something for the fans. You know, for the Auburn fans in particular, but the fans overall, because this is a book for a football fan or somebody, anybody who's interested in a team dynamic, because it's really what it addresses as much as anything. So I sat down, hammered it out, you know, about three weeks <laughs> I had a first draft. Now, it wasn't ready to be produced or anything, but uh, I did that. And then I went back and I looked at DVDs. I had 13 DVDs from our 13 games. And I went through all of them, every single play. And just, I mean, looking at those, just triggered thought after thought. I mean, and and I almost rewrote it, you know, because there were so many things that occurred to me as I watched those DVDs. So, the inspiration of going back to Auburn, my son wanting to go to Auburn, and just a, a chance to kind of relive it because it was such a great experience. Coach, it's uh, this is Dan Peck. It's great to uh, it's great to talk to you again. It's been too long, and and I can't wait for the book. And uh, I, I'd like to know, uh, take us back if you can. Uh, to the end of the 2003 season when you first hear that, that maybe you're a candidate for the Auburn offensive coordinator opening. How did you, uh, you know, how, how did it, how did it come to be that, that, that you were Auburn's offensive coordinator in 2004? Well, you're kind of stealing my thunder here with a book, but I'm going to give you a little tease anyway. That's right. Don't, yeah, don't okay. spoil, don't spoil too much. I still want people to buy no. the book. But you, Dan, Dan, you were a fan. I mean, I was an underdog. I mean, I, I came mm-hmm. in and, uh, there were three guys that had interviewed already. And Kevin Yoxel, who I had worked with at UCLA, who was a strength coach now at Auburn. I think he left UCLA like 99, I think, something like that. He was there. And I found out about the job kind of after the fact. So I called Yox up. I go, Yox, uh, is that job still open? He says, yeah, it is. But, you know, Al, I got to tell you, man, they're kind of in the fourth quarter of this thing. Uh, I don't know if, you know, 
I don't know if it's good. I don't know if you had any chance, but I'll mention. So he did, and I'll be darned. The next couple of days, I got a call to uh, to come to Auburn, and and uh, when I got there and I watched the winter conditioning, I said, "Holy Toledo! Do these guys got some guys? I mean, holy! I got to get this job." That's first. I remember I didn't say that to anybody, but I'm watching. They got a six-five quarterback. They got a six-nine left tackle. They got two running backs that look like running backs. I'm going, "Holy Toledo! I got to get this job." You know, so I snuck in, and it it worked out. I, I don't know what to tell you other than that. I, I was thinking, yeah, that that was what I was going to ask. Is did you have any idea that the kind of talent you would have available? Yeah, you had three receiver, three or four receivers that got opportunities in the league as well. I mean, uh, that that's as balanced and uh, depth wise as much talent as Auburn's had on offense. Maybe ever when when you look across the board. Yeah, it was. It's amazing, and this is what's really cool: is we had a lot of talent, but we have even more unselfishness. We had guys that didn't care who got the credit. You know, I got to say this: after the two thousand three season, all that you know, as tumultuous as it was, I think the kids were really focused. I think they were kind of on a mission, and I don't think they really cared. You know, if uh, if I don't rush for a thousand yards, we could still win. I'm tired of losing. You know, I think that was kind of the deal, and and it caught fire after the Tennessee game. You know, LSU was a battle, but it was no offensive masterpiece by any means. But after the Tennessee game, it caught fire. I could feel that we were starting to build to a crescendo. You know, and it was it was getting better every week. Now, the one thing you had to deal with is you got after the Tennessee game, there was more noise. You know, because nobody's Coming in at 17 at the beginning of the season, nobody's saying anything about us. Like the year before, you know, the publications had rated Auburn high, and I think the noise got to the kids a little bit. But, you know, we started off, we heard nothing until we, we earned our way into the top 10, and then all of a sudden everybody was interested. You know, I think we had game day. Game day showed up three times. Now, they would have showed up four times, but I think Hurricane Ivan kept them out of the LSU game. So, you know, but they handled it. They handled it, and that's, that's why we did what we did. Coach, I can I can imagine you knew from seeing that that team for the first time uh, that they had you know so what what it takes to make a run because you were the offensive coordinator of one of my favorite uh, college football teams ever the '98 UCLA Bruins which also had a really really special group of talent and also had had what it takes and was one of the reasons why back in 2003 I thought. This you know when I heard your name was was uh, you know up up for you know the the job I thought well that's that would that would be a you know this this might work out and and, and indeed it did. So, something I'd like to know about the 2004 team is well, one of, one of the storylines that maybe people forget about is that there was something of a quarterback controversy going into that season. There were folks who had maybe soured on Jason Campbell after his first few years at Auburn and wanted to see Brandon Cox given the opportunity mm-hmm. to take over the starting job. How close, I mean, how, how real was the uh, was the competition to be Auburn's starting quarterback, and w- were there ever moments uh, that you thought uh, you, you should go with Brandon Cox instead of Jason Campbell? Well, the answer to the last question is no. There was never a time I felt <laughs> that. But I will say this. When I got to Auburn, uh, you know, when you're at Auburn, you do all these speaking engagements. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was a Toastmaster of the Year when I went there, but uh, and I loved doing them. I great, but I did not like the Q and A's at the end. And the reason I didn't is because everybody would hammer Jason Campbell, and I could sense the fan base wanted him replaced every day. And I, you know, here and I did them after spring ball. 
I did a bunch of after spring, and I, all I saw was, hey, this kid can play. You know, I couldn't understand why people weren't on the Jason Campbell uh, bandwagon. But, uh, you know, I, I constantly I was being asked, are you going to take him out? He doesn't, you know, he doesn't look very confident. Are you going to give him a chance? I go, well, you know, give me a chance to train this. Everybody kind of slow down a little bit, and let's see how he does. I mean, he, but in my mind, guys, he was head and shoulders. He had a death grip on that position. There was no question that he was the best talent. Now, he's going to have to perform. I wasn't, you know, oblivious to that, but he certainly did. And his he had a completely different mindset than he had from the previous years. And I, and I think that's what, what kind of carried him over the hump. Talking with former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges here on the Friday edition of The Drive with Bill and Dan. And the, the name of the book, which is uh, due out I guess, in August, as you said, Deny of the Tiger. Explain that, and uh, it's 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 a it's a great play uh, on on yeah Survivor, but I mean um, I, I believe it also is is something that really puts Auburn in perspective with what we're seeing right now and what we have now in college football. Yeah, I think uh, that we did not get the opportunity to play for the national championship, at least in part was the impetus behind the playoff system today. I, I really believe that. It took them a while. It took them a while. I mean, that was 2004. I don't think they started the playoffs till like 14 or something like that. So it took them a while, but it was the BCS's ultimate nightmare. Okay? You had, what, four teams that were undefeated, and two of them went wire to wire, uh, one and two. And then we came out of nowhere at 17. I don't think, as good as Utah was, and they were good, I don't think people were taking them serious as a national champion, but they certainly were a good team. So, there you are. You got four teams, and who are you going to pick? You got an undefeated SEC team mm-hmm. that's not playing for the national championship. To this day, I have trouble wrapping my head around that, but uh, that was the way the system was set up, and the, the book builds to that okay that's really the whole idea is is us getting denied that opportunity yet being what i call the should be national championships uh so uh if you indulge the book you go through it you'll see how i kind of frame that entire thing yeah i think you'll find it compelling that's uh, Al Borges, Auburn offensive coordinator, who was nice enough to join us in hour number one. That's some of our conversation with Coach Borges. He also tells a story uh, later in the interview about uh, about getting to uh, about getting to speak with uh, or recruiting Brian Harson uh, that that we may uh, we may run when we come back. But we're going to take our final break of the afternoon. Stay tuned. We'll be back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the afternoon on the Friday edition 
of the drive. You know, there's there's one more part of the Al Borges interview I want to run before we uh, before we sign off today. It's him talking about being an outsider in the uh, in, in in the southeast. I thought he had he had a great answer when Bill talked about uh, you know sort of the similarities between Al Borges coming from the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest uh, to uh, to the SEC and Auburn's current head coach Brian Harson making the same adjustment. Here's what a uh, uh, coach Borges had to say. I came in. I didn't know a thing about Auburn. I did nothing. I'm talking zero. I didn't know much about Jetgate. All I knew about Auburn is they had a running back named Cadillac. And I didn't even know his last name, but I thought that was a cool thing. Okay. But after that, I, I had to adjust as I went. And I, and in the book, it, it, it addresses that at the beginning is, is my, 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 my change, my cultural change, uh, understand the culture, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the way guys speak. You know, I had to, I had to get used to that. I, it was just, a different deal, but it's all a, all part of the thing when you coach in the South. You got to learn what the kids are like, what the people are like. And Auburn, because they care so much, and I was telling Feinbaum this yesterday, or the day before, I said, is it's volatile. It's, it's always been volatile. It's, it, before, and it'll be volatile after this. So when you come in, you got to be ready to adjust, and you got to win some games, win some big games, and they'll jump on the bandwagon in a minute. And I'm gonna tell you, there's no place better than Auburn when you're doing well. Coach, you were the uh, you were the offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Boise State in '93 and '94. Brian Harson got there in '95. Do you remember him? Did you intersect with him at all uh, when he I was? Recruited. You recruited him. That's what I thought. You, you wow. I never did. I never did coach him, but I recruited Brian. Uh, <laughs> we have some funny stories. Last time I saw him. But I recruited him, but I left. Uh, I mean, shortly after I recruited him, I went to Oregon. So I never really got a chance to coach him. But And he was a, he's a local kid who I think we recruited as a walk-on, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. But uh, he turned out to be a good player. He was a good player. And he's a good football mind. I mean, he really is a good football mind. And I think if they're patient with him and they understand, I think, I think he'll do a good job. Because I think he has what it takes from a toughness perspective and from a football awareness perspective. But it's like anything else, guys. First year, I got lucky because I had a lot of talent when I went to Auburn. That's Auburn, former Auburn offensive coordinator Brian Harson, or uh, former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges, talking about Auburn head coach Brian Harson, who he knew in the early 90s when Al Borges was Boise State's offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, and Brian Harson was a high school quarterback in Boise, Idaho. And now, uh, nearly 30 years later, Brian Harson, the head coach, Al Borges, writing a book about his experience as Auburn offensive coordinator uh, during the 2004 season. Deny of the Tiger is the book. It'll be uh, out, uh, available to uh, to purchase uh, later later this or It'll be uh, released uh, later this summer. Uh, we, we certainly hope to talk with Al Borges again uh, at some point uh, between now and publication of his book about anything he wants to talk about. But that was a that was a great chat we had in hour number one. If you missed it, uh, go to the podcast uh, podcast center at espnau.com. Any where you listen to podcasts, search for The Drive with Bill Cameron, and you'll find our conversation uh, with, uh, with Al Borges from earlier today up in the Podcast Center. A lot of great talks this week. Jason Caldwell, Justin Ferguson, uh, our, our good buddy Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com, and all of your calls. Have a happy, healthy, and safe graduation weekend for everybody. And, of course, Mother's Day on Sunday. Thanks to all the moms out there for everything you do. Enjoy your special day. We'll be back on Monday to do it all again. Until then, Dan Peck signing off. Good night.